for the church. It's time for the church to arise. It's time for some churches to open their doors. I heard this morning again, another church that hasn't opened in a year. There's no excuse for that. It's a spirit of fear. It's demonic. Christians need to get off of it and get back in church. Let me tell you. There's something about corporate power. Let's quit walking in fear and quit letting the devil run all over us and convince us that we're weak little wimps and we can't stand against the powers of the enemy. We are, do we know who we are? We need to know who we are. We need to walk in the fullness of God and in the fullness of His Spirit. You have your communion elements. I want us to take our communion today. If you don't have any, uh, didn't get any, raise your hand and the ushers will be happy to serve you on that. Oh God, we're so thankful for what you've done for us. Jesus didn't die on the cross so we could come in and have church in an air-conditioned building on Sunday morning, although he's okay with that. He's okay with that. But if that's all we do, we've missed it. We've missed the whole point of what we're here for. Let me tell you, you're here to do what the disciples did, and that's to turn the cities upside down. You're here to turn nations upside down. You're here to disciple nations. And the church, the local church is extremely important. Extremely important. We're here to equip the saints to go out and do those things. So you got the internal church. You also have the ecclesia going outside the church. So it's very important what we do here locally, inside the buildings. But our goal is not to keep you in the building. Our goal is to send you outside to tear down the strongholds of the enemy. We can't seem to end Saturday night prayer in less than a couple hours anymore, can we? We're praying for the nations. We're praying for the people. We're trying to get, we're trying, we're, we're coming against powers and principalities because that's what we're told we can do. We just happen to be foolish enough to believe it. We just happen to be foolish enough to believe that the word of God is truth. When he said the same works I do, you will do in greater works. We just happen to be foolish enough to believe that. We also happen to be foolish enough to believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for today. Speaking in tongues is for today. And if you're not praying every day in in the Spirit, in tongues, in your prayer life, whatever you want to call it, you are missing out. And you're shortcutting the kingdom. You're shortcutting the kingdom. Well, my church used to tell me that wasn't for today. Well, they need to read their Bibles. What are they doing? They need to read their Bibles. Holy Spirit is just as alive today as He ever was. And He needs to be more operative and he only operates through the church but see when we've been convinced by the world that these things aren't true any longer we diminish the power of God in the earth and God's hands are tied so let's look at our father we thank you that this wafer represents the broken body of Jesus Christ that he was beaten and he was broken Lord that we could have life that we could have deliverance he was beaten and broken for people in this city in their state, in our nation, and those precious children across the world. God, I thank you. And Lord, as we, as we partake of the wafer, Lord, we remember the incredible price, the inconvenience of the cross, that you were beaten beyond human recognition. God, we, we receive the wafer. We receive what you have done for us. And we thank you, Holy God, in Jesus' name. And the cup represents the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus that washes away all the sin of the world. For God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. Knowing he was coming to die. Knowing he was coming to be beaten. To be lied about. To be falsely accused. God help us get over ourselves. Help us get over when little something is said we get offended and want to run away. I'm not going back there anymore. Thank God you didn't come off the cross. Lord, we thank you for the blood of God, the blood of Jesus. And we partake of this juice. We remember what you have done for us. Thank you, God, for salvation, for redemption. Thank you, Father. The Lord said, as often as we wish to do this in remembrance of what he has done for us. There's power in communion. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As we begin today, we're going to begin just a couple of few weeks leading up to Pentecost Sunday. Next week is Mother's Day. Actually, today celebrates 40 years as a church here on the corner of Spring and Cabarrus today. 40 years. We've only been here about 29 or 30 of those, but I'm telling you, it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience. From the very beginning, from the very beginning, Pastor Robbins had a call from God that was outside the box, outside the norm. He was told to come out of organized religion. He was told to, to, to preach the word in truth and power. And we've continued to do that for 40 years, and we will continue to do that. But we're in the last weeks leading up to Pentecost, and you know we understand that Pentecost Sunday is an observation and, and a recognition of, of the birth of the New Testament church. That's when the church was birthed, was at Pentecost, the outpouring of Holy Spirit. And you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is one of the most divisive topics in the, in the church world today. You know, denominations have been formed around the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. When you say, I'm a Pentecostal, automatically people know, okay, I believe in the Holy Spirit, I speak in tongues, right? It's the way it should be, right? Or even the charismatic terminology. It's also been so divisive that some have said, oh, that's of the devil. Boy, that's scary. That's blasphemy. But that's how divisive it's been. And we know that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit took place 50 days after the resurrection. And it was a visible outpouring that occurred on 120 people that were together praying and seeking God and praising God. So there's, as Wayne said, there's power in prayer, right? We need to be praying. I'm telling you, this day we're in, we need to be praying more than we have ever prayed. And you don't have to just come to prayer meeting on Tuesday. We have Tuesday night prayer. We have uh, Saturday night prayer. Don't just wait until then to come. Pray always in the Spirit. With thanksgiving, we, we praise and pray to God. But we could spend weeks and weeks, weeks teaching on the Holy Spirit. We could teach on His attributes, His gifts, His fruit, His personality, His power. And I think with this group of people, and uh, it's just, you know, that would be elementary for you. But I want to, I do want to speak on the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues because, well, that's elementary too. Not if you're still struggling with it. And there's a lot of believers that struggle with it. Jesus told his disciples the critical importance of Holy Spirit. In John 16, 7, Jesus said it's to our advantage. And this is, he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. One translation says it's expedient. I think it's the Amplified. It's expedient that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'm going to send him to you. So Jesus realized the importance of Holy Spirit. We're going to see why. Another importance of the Holy Spirit is because it's going to be one just like Jesus. He said in John 14, 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. That word another seems one, that means one just like me and who, one who would do what I did if I were here with you. That's what another helper means. It's not just somebody, it's one just like me. And he says he's going to be with you forever. We also know the importance of Holy Spirit is for power. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Now that word power is the word dunamis. And this is what it means. It means possession of controlling influence. That's what dunamis power is. Possession of control. Does that ring a bell of what we need to be doing? We have controlling influence in the world if we'll just exercise that influence. Then it goes on to say often understood as manifesting influence over reality in a supernatural manner. It doesn't matter what we see. We have controlling influence over it if we have the power of the Holy Spirit operating in our lives. And we exercise that power. See, it's not acceptable that we have 139 million babies a minute, excuse me, 139 babies a minute in the world being slaughtered in the womb. That's not acceptable. We have possession of controlling influence to change that. We have possession of, that's 200,000 babies a day. What'd you say, Wayne, for every 40 seconds a, a child is missing? We have possession of controlling influence that can change that. But we don't believe it. Or we don't exercise it. Or we're too lazy. Or we don't care. We're apathetic. We're complacent. Just don't bother me. It's not affecting me. 
That's a third world nation. What do you expect? I expect better than that. I expect the church to go out and disciple nations. That's what I expect. We start with our own city. We have children in our own city that are, we have children coming to us with broken arms and broken limbs less than six months old. Well, the parents coming, not the children. Because of evil. It's not just happening in third world nations. It's happening here in Concord. Bruce Latibu was here a couple of several years ago and he, he told Terry, he said, I can take you to places inside your city and show you where trafficking's going on. In Concord. Is it in Concord? We know where one is. Where well, I was. I don't know if it's still there or not. We have the power to have controlling influence over whatever is going on in this life if we will exercise it. Let's go back to Genesis one twenty-eight. What do you say? I'm giving you dominion. I'm giving you authority. You subdue the earth. You take authority over it. We got it. But you know what? We're so consumed with all of our self-interest. I said, Terry, I don't want to do a heavy message today, but I'm telling you, the day we're in, it's just hard not to. It's not heavy, but it should propel us. It should propel us. I'm not going to give you soft soap, something so you can go home and feel good about yourself. I want you to feel good about God and what he's called you to do. You know? We're not for everybody. That's right. We are for everybody, but everybody's not ready for it, right? Or they, they don't want to hear it. We have a responsibility as a child of God. We have been endowed with the potential to change this world. Acts 1.8, and you will receive power. I just read that, didn't I? The dunamis power. And it, power for what? So you'll be my witnesses. What does that mean? That word tr- really is martyr. We have a, you've noticed we have a projector that went out yesterday or whenever it was. We'll just get a new one, right? That's what God made projectors for. We'll just get a new one. We don't care. The devil's not going to get to us, is he? We didn't have a projector. It wouldn't matter. They did, <laughs> they did ministry for years with no projector. Fourthly, to enable us for service, Acts 10, 38, it says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, if Jesus needed Holy Spirit, why do we think we don't need Holy Spirit? I can't imagine what your IQ must be to to believe that the Holy Spirit, that one initial outpouring was 2,000 years ago, and we don't need him any longer. I mean, that's dumb as a brick in my opinion. Can't believe that. John 14, 12, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. This is the apostolic anointing working, okay? Not the pastoral, okay? You okay with that? Go to Dan after the service. He'll fix you. Okay. <laughs> He'll pat you up and kiss you on the head and send you on. I'm just going to cut you up a little bit. Put a band-aid on you. But he says, I'm going to, you can do the same works I do and even greater works. And if God, I'm telling you, Jesus needed Holy Spirit. How much more do we need Holy Spirit? And some people, oh, he was because he was God. No, he had to have Holy Spirit. It says, after he was anointed, then he went around doing good. Then he went around doing good. When God wanted to create the world, what did he do? He sent Holy Spirit. When God wanted to create the world, he hovered and he brooded over darkness. He's doing the same thing. And then the Holy Spirit is hovering and brooding over the chaos in this world today. He's brooding and hovering. He's waiting for somebody to release the word, to tear down the principalities and strongholds. He's waiting for people like Bruce Latibue to go in and snatch those children out of the clutches of the enemy. And it takes dollars. Thank God, I don't want to go, but I sure want to send him, don't you? God hasn't told me to go, but he's told me to send. See, some plants, some water, but God gives the increase. You know our friend Lee Grady. He's got incredible projects going on all over the world. All it takes is dollar bills. Dollar bills. That's all it takes. He is just, Lee is discipling nations. When you sent in the money you sent last year and then even this year, to support that ministry, you are participating in discipling nations. And wherever you send them, you may have other places that you send your money. 
There's a hundred girls right now that the winds blew down their dormitory in Kenya. A hundred girls that are being discipled. It's so important that we disciple this generation because they're going to be the teachers, the politicians, the doctors of the future generation. So it's so important that we get these children at this early age. He said he needs $27,000. I said, surely we can find 27 business people to give $1,000. Surely. Surely there's 27 people in this city that can give $1,000. Surely. And I'm believing that we can do it. I'm not asking you to do that. If you want to give me $1,000, send to Lee, I'll take it. And I'll go right to him. It goes directly to Kenya. He doesn't take a cut out of it. But when God wanted to accomplish something in the Old Testament, he sent Holy Spirit to come upon the men of old and accomplish what? Supernatural feats. And there are some who believe that the uh, the Holy Spirit is only for the time of Acts. But what does the Bible tell us? Joel 2, 28 says, And after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. This was five, six hundred years, most people think, before the, the birth of Christ. Some say even 900 years before the birth of Christ. A lot of years, right? Several hundred years before the birth of Christ. And he said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. My goodness, women included. Your old men will dream dreams. That means there's still something for the old guys, right? And your young men will see visions. You're never too young. That's what it's saying. And then in Acts 2, 16, it, after they had been, uh, you know, accused of being drunk, you know, and Peter said, no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. So he didn't change any of that. Your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I'm going to pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. See, Peter saying, yeah, this is exactly what Joel predicted. And then... Then down further, you say, well, that was just for that day on the act of... No, this is what he said later. Peter replied, how do we receive? Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's good. This promise is to you and to your children and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. So it's not just for that particular time. Not just for that particular time. Twenty-something years later, Paul goes to Ephesus. And he said, it happened that while Paul, Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus and he found some disciples and he said to them, you know, so he said, he didn't say he found some believers or converts. He said, he found disciples. Interesting. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism, which is a baptism of repentance, by the way. And that's the first step. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They began speaking in tongues and prophesying, and there were about 12 in all. See, there's no biblical indication that Holy Spirit was a one-time outpouring. No biblical indication. So the next most frequent question we get is, do I have to speak in tongues? The answer is you get to speak in tongues. That's the answer. Acts 2, 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I pulled a piece out of a blog I did back in May of May 2015, May 19, 2015. I just pulled this out because I, I, the title of my blog was, Do I Have to Speak in Tongues? And this is what I said. If we look at the example set forth after the day of Pentecost, we see that each time there was mention of people being baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was the evidence of tongues, a physical sign of the baptism given. This scripture support can be found in Acts 2, 8, Acts 8, 14, 18, Acts 10, 44, 46, Acts 19, 4 through 6. In each case, tongues is associated with baptism. This is telling me that God's intention for spirit baptism and a sign of full submission to the Holy Spirit is that we also relinquish our tongue. That unruly little member of our body that James speaks of in James 3, 6 through 8. So where there is indication in Scripture of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there is also indication of speaking in tongues. I remember when uh, the church I was going to at the time and the associate pastors came to my house, I was just a brand new baby believer. This, and this was like a couple weeks, few weeks into my walk. And they said, tell me about the Holy Spirit. And I felt like the people at Ephesus, I'd never even heard of the Holy Spirit, you know. I mean, other than what I'd seen, you know, a little bit. 
And uh, I remember going to church with my cousin once who was a uh, church of God, and they started speaking in tongues, and it scared me to death. I thought I didn't know what it was as a kid. And so I, that's all I really knew. And so they began to explain to me. So I, you know, they left, and I, you know, I was so thirsty. I wanted anything God had. I wanted anything God had. And I struggled with it for a week because this thought came to me, what if you say something you're not supposed to say? Have anybody ever, the devil ever said that to you? What if you say something you're not supposed to say? And then the Lord spoke back and he said, well, how can you curse me unintentionally? Yeah. And I thought, well, that makes sense. How can I curse God unintentionally? So that was, then a week went by and I remember this was July 7th, 1979. And I was in my little bathroom. I've told this so many times. It was about a one by one. That's how big it was. It was my prayer closet at the time. I had two small kids, so I had to get somewhere that they wouldn't bother me. And there was no guarantee there. But anyway, I walk into that little bathroom and I say as sincere, I said, God, if it's of you and it's real, I want it. Didn't even, like I said, I didn't even know enough to know it was a he. I want it. And I knew enough from what they had said to me that I had to go act on my own to begin to speak. So I just began to speak. And all of a sudden, this voice, this language started coming out. And I began to feel it right here in my belly. Those rivers of living water began. And I remember, this is what I remember thinking. I'm in total control. I can stop and start anytime I want to. You know, I used to, you know, you hear all these stories. You you have to, you know, you were taught that you have to get under a certain emotional hype. And then all of a sudden, he's going to zap you. And you'll speak for a while. And then when that emotional hype is down... You know, he'll leave. Well, that's not the way it was at all. I could stop and start anytime I want to. I spoke, I mean, every time I opened my mouth, just about I was speaking in tongues. I'll never forget it. The most incredible day, 7779. Let me tell you, a lot of people struggle with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But why in the world, I've asked God this, and I said, God, why in the world would you use something like the tongue? Why would you use that? So I did a little research in James 3, 6. I mentioned this a moment ago. This is what the word says about the tongue. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, reptile, sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, Full of deadly poison. So I thought, I bet this is really some type of spiritual significance to tongue. Really doesn't mean that little thing right there. So I looked it up in the Greek, and this is what it means. A mobile mass of muscular tissue covered with mucous membrane and located in the oral cavity. It means exactly what it says. The tongue is that part of us that sets our world into action. Proverbs 18.21 tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Is it not? Is it, does it just make sense that the very member of our body that's the hardest to tame, God says, that's going to be evidence that you fully submitted to me? When you submit that one piece of our, our life that is so hard to tame, that one piece that can, that can set on fire the very course of our life, Life and death resides in it. Is it not? Is, it just makes sense, doesn't it? That God would want that. Well, I want to control that part of you. Matthew 12, 36, 37 says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for their careless words they speak. This is how important it is. People will give account for every careless word that they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. I'll read this out of the Passion. The Passion says, And the tongue is a fire. It can be compared to the sum total of wickedness and is the most dangerous part of our human body. Wow. It corrupts the entire body and is a hellish flame. It releases a fire that can burn throughout the course of human history. Are we not seeing this in our nation today? All the tongues that are wagging on the TV, coming against God, coming against what is right trying to shift the narrative of the, of the mindset of the people, trying, trying to make people believe, and they do make people believe something that's not true, counter to God. We're seeing this. We're seeing the power of the tongue. You know, Jesus didn't say we're held accountable for every word that we think. He said that we're held accountable for every word that we speak. And that word simply means an expression in our speech, in our talking. We're held accountable for what we speak. 
See, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. So when we pray, you know, some people say, well, who's really praying through us? I did a little neuroscience here. I'm going to give you something. Dr. Andrew Nierberg. And it's a great book called How God Changes Your Brain. It's it's, it's an older book. I think it was in 06, 08, something like that. But this is what he says. Glossolalia, you know, that's speaking in tongues. Because what he was trying to see was, is there, what's really happening in the brain? Is there a difference? Is there something significant that we can say, you know, from a neuroscientific uh, respect that something really is happening? So glossolalia produced a significantly different pattern of brain activity than singing. And the team reports in the November issue of Psychiatry Research Neuroimaging, perhaps the most, listen to this, the most important difference was a decrease in the frontal lobe function. Now see, when I'm thinking, you're thinking, you're talking, your your prefrontal lobe is active. So we see a decrease in that, which means we're not as active. And then it says the part of the brain that normally makes me feel in control has been essentially shut down. Another note, and that is the executive center of the brain. That's where, that's where we, we, we make decisions, all of this. That starts to be shut down. Then he says, another notable change was increased activity in the parietal region. And that's the part of the brain that takes sensory, sensory information and tries to create a sense of self and how you relate to the rest of the world. Now, people like, when people like Hindus and Buddhists and all those meditate, this part of the brain, begin, the activity begins to decrease. And what they're doing is they're becoming one with the world, you know. They're becoming one with the world. They're becoming one with the universe. And they suddenly lose their sense of being self and distinct. But not so when they're speaking in tongues. Newber says that speaking in tongues, and uh, let's see, let me take back up here. Uh, another notable change was increased activity in the parietal region, the part of the brain that takes sensory information, tries to create a sense of self. The findings make sense, says Nuremberg, because speaking in tongues involves relinquishing control while gaining a very intense experience of how the self relates to God. Interestingly, he notes the glossolalia responses were the opposite of those seen in subjects in meditative states. When people meditate on a particular sacred object, Nuremberg has found that their frontal lobe increases, activity increases while the parietal activity goes down. The exact opposite was speaking in tongues. This, contr- this conforms with the notion that in meditation, one has a controlled focus while losing a sense of self. And then he goes on to say, this is from the New York Times. Now, this is from the book as well. It says, however, it is shown by neurological scans that when a person is praying in tongues, activity in this part of the brain increases in the bridal area. This means we become more aware of our sense of self and our life existence. So when a person is praying in tongues, they do not feel one with God, but rather a distinct, separate entity Entity is communicating with them. This is neuroscience. I know that's a lot to swallow. This is neuroscience. God actually made the brain to respond to him. Get the book, How God Changes Your Brain. It's powerful. But when Christians are praying in tongues, that part of the brain shuts down. The control center becomes less active because the Holy Spirit begins to take control. And that part of our, that part of our, uh, our brain, the parietal part of our brain that normally decreases because we want to lose our self-awareness, now it increases because we are distinctly being, being communicated with and through the Holy Spirit. That's for those that might be struggling with the Bible. This is science proving it. So science has already proved what so many of us really knew and what Scripture confirms. When we're praying in tongues, it's the Spirit of God that is praying through and with us. Why in the world would we not want to do that? So the next question I have is, why tongues? Why tongues? Romans 8, 26, 28. You hear this a lot in this church. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Has anybody ever been in a situation? How in the world do you know how to pray for those children? Well, God, just, God bless those children. That's not adequate. We've got to know how God wants to do warfare for those children. We've got to know how God wants to do warfare for those babies that are being destroyed in the womb, for our, for our city, for our government, for our church, for our families, our own children. You've got to know how God's wanting to pray. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers what? In harmony with God's own will. 
And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Remember, if you're praying in the spirit, this prefrontal control center has to be shut down. When we're praying in the natural, what do we do? We've got a grocery list. Do this, 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 God. And what we do? Bless this, this, this. Do this, this, this. I was talking to somebody this week and somebody had hurt them deeply and they were acting like demons and they said, oh, I'm just praying for God to bless them. I said, why would you do that? God doesn't bless what's been cursed. God's not going to bless a demon. I said, this is the way you should pray for them. You pray that that God would bless their spiritual development, that God would prosper them spiritually because as their soul prospers, then they prosper in the things of God. I don't pray for God to bless sinners. I don't see any other. We pray for their soul prosperity. I pray for God to convert and save and, and reveal himself. But I'm not praying for them to have victory over the believer, a victory over the church. How do we know how to pray for the problems that are in the world? Child trafficking. How in the world do you pray for that? How about our government overreaches that we're seeing? How about the financial concerns even of your own life, your family? How do you know how to pray for that? We get ready to, I was talking, what, years ago we knew this guy and he, um, he, he was just a confirmed bachelor. And he met this girl and suddenly he, they decided to get married. And he said, God, you know, I never asked for a wife. And the Lord said, no, you never did in English. But he did in tongues. But see, God prayed through him his perfect will. And his perfect will was for him to have a, a wife. See, in our natural mind, we say, God, I'm just happy where I'm at. That may not be God's plan for you. We were talking to somebody recently about business. They were just satisfied at this level. I said, how selfish is that? Go to this level and send that money to people. We'll give you a list of people you can send that money to. I just want to be relaxing and enjoy my life. Well, you know, we can enjoy. we got eternity to enjoy, you know. That's the, that apostolic. Dan, are you in here? Okay. You got, you're going to have to patch them up, okay? <laughs> we have one life to give. We've got to fall in love with God so much that we're passionate about what he's passionate about. It just can't be okay with us when we see this going on around us. It can't be. The most effective prayer we can pray is praying what God desires for any situation. Because God does nothing in this earth except through prayer. Nothing. Well, God, you know, I get sick of hearing people, God's in control. No, he's not. He put us in control. He put us in control. Where do we get our theology? Go back and read Genesis 1, 28. Well, if God wants to heal me, he'll heal me. Well, God has already decided he wants to heal you. Now, what are you going to do? You're in control of your health. You're in control of your finances. You're in control of your life. God gave us the ability to make choices. He said, I'm giving you the earth to control, to subdue, to take dominion. If we think God's in control, then we're going to blame the devil for every negative thing that happens. He gave us control over that too. So why do we pray in tongues? We pray because we want to know the perfect will of God. What's another reason we pray in tongues? 1 Corinthians 14, 2 tells us when someone speaks in tongues, no one understands a word he says because he's not speaking to people, but to God. Listen to this. Pastor says he's speaking intimate mysteries in the spirit. Doesn't that confirm Romans 8? He's speaking intimate mysteries in the spirit. I've had people say, can the devil understand? Of course he can't understand when you're praying in tongues. He can understand when you can't keep your mouth shut and you're talking too much in English. And that's where we lose it sometimes. What? So we're praying divine mysteries in the Spirit to God. We're saying what God wants us to say. We're bypassing the devil. We're, we're, we're sniping the enemy. He's not going to know the plans of God's earth if we're praying in the Spirit. It's like prayer missiles into the heavenlies to disarm the powers and the principalities. Jude 20 says, But you, my delightfully loved friends, love friends, constantly and progressively build yourself up on the foundation of your most holy faith. How? By coming to church every Sunday. That's good. You should do that. You can. By singing songs. That's good too. By praying every moment in the Spirit. Every moment in the Spirit. 
Build yourself up. That means to bring to greater fullness or completion. Let me tell you something else Dr. Newberg says. He says, involvement in intense prayer and spiritual activity can result in lowering anxiety and depression, enhancing social awareness and empathy, and improving cognitive and intellectual functioning. He also says in this same book that if you want to improve your memory, get into, get into spiritual habits, especially prayer. He says there's, there's signs that it, it shows cognitive improvement, memory improvement, just by praying in the Spirit because you're fueling that, those parts of the brain. You're releasing what needs to be released. I've had people tell me that they're not nearly so depressed when they start praying in tongues every day. So we build ourselves up by praying in the Spirit every moment. And then Ephesians six eighteen says, Pray in the Spirit when? At all times and on all occasions. Stay alert and persistent in your prayer. See, he's got all this armor of God that he says. And then he said, pray in the Spirit all the time in everything. You're walking through food line. You can be praying in the Spirit, especially with a mask on. Nobody hears you. Except we don't wear a mask. And we pray in the Spirit walking through food line. And we have people look at us and say, can I help you? No, can I help you? So how do we receive? I want you to stand if you will. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? We've heard all kind of things, all kind of gimmicks. You know, repeat after me. Abba-dabba-doo, abba-dabba-doo, abba-dabba-doo. Have you heard that kind of foolishness? Terry said they used to hold his arms up and sing, what, what, what what would you say for hours? Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And he said, if you stammered at all, they say, got it. He was just worn out. There's, there's only one way. Peter told us, you've got to repent first. If you've got sin in your life, forget it. It's not going to happen, okay? If you've got fear in your life, it's not going to happen. If you're a control freak, it's not going to happen. If you're a manipulator, it's not going to happen. If you're a narcissist, it's not going to happen. Because you don't want anybody having control of your life, including God. Right? On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. July 7th, 1979, I was so thirsty. Anything God had, if he told me I had to stand on my head to get blessed, I'd have done it. I didn't care. I could have found it in the Word. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That word really is belly. Out of your belly are going to flow those rivers of living water. It says, now he said this about the spirit whom those who believed in him were yet to receive. Tells us very clearly what he's talking about. He's making it very, very clear here. For as yet the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. He's speaking for a time to come. He's giving us, he says, if you're thirsty, come. Four steps. First, if you're thirsty, it's an act of awareness of our need. God, I'm so thirsty, I need you. I don't have enough, I need you, I need more of you. I'm not satisfied with where I am. How many is not satisfied? I'm not satisfied, I'm never going to be satisfied. What's that, satisfied with an unsatisfied satisfaction or something like that? I'm satisfied at my unsatisfaction. So thirst. Then he said, come. It's an act of faith that God is the source. God is the source. And then he said, drink is an act of obedience. See, this is the part a lot of people have problems with. Drinking from the fountain of God. And then he said, believe is an act of trust. Some of us really enjoy our prayer life. We pray in the Spirit all the time. And there's a lot of teaching we could do on this. There's teaching about, you know, Paul says if, if you know, if we came in on Sunday morning and all we did was speak in tongues, people, unbelievers would think we're crazy, basically is what he said. It's better to speak a word of understanding than to speak, you know, a hundred words where people don't understand you. But there's a purpose. But see, when we come here, we should be so filled up because we have spent time praying in the Spirit. And there's a time to pray in the Spirit. That's another message, several messages. 
So there's some of us that really are enjoying the richness and the fullness of that prayer life. And there's some who might have experienced the fullness of the Spirit at one point and then they just let it dry up. For lots of reasons. Wrong teaching, the voice of the enemy. Don't see results. Let me tell you, things are happening when you're praying in Spirit, whether you see it or not. That's where this act of trust comes in. There's some that just haven't prayed in so long, or maybe you've never prayed, and your well is either capped or dry. And God's saying, let's bless that thing wide open today. You don't need to leave here not speaking in tongues. Can anybody agree with that? If you do, you're short-circuiting the system. You're shorting yourself of power, and you're shorting God of your potential. Because you and I are supposed to be doing the same works that Jesus is doing. Well, can I do that without tongues? I don't say no. Not to your best ability. And I've heard people say, well, Billy Graham never spoke in tongues. I think he did because when I'm going to ask him, he says, I speak with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he was questioned on that. How much more, when we've got the fullness of the power released in our life, could we do for Christ? If just this number of people here were praying in the Spirit on every occasion, at every opportunity, what would be different? I want you to come forward. If you you want to receive the baptism for the first time, I want you to come forward. If you want that well opened, I want you to come forward. If you need that fullness of, of God that you just, well, I'm just not quite God enough, I want you to come forward. And if you love your prayer language, I want you to come forward. Come on, everybody come forward. Because I don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. Don't you want more of what God has for you? I think we don't have because we don't ask. And we don't have because we don't ask in the right way. And when we do ask, we ask with wrong motivation. Well, praying in the Spirit means you never ask with wrong motivation. Praying in the Spirit means... That you're praying the perfect will of God. Now, has anybody here never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Anybody? Okay. With the evidence of speaking in tongues, I'm not talking about having goosebumps. There it goes again. (laughs) I'm trying. I'm really trying. I want to hear us pray in the Spirit. Anybody just hasn't prayed in a long time and you need that release? Anybody? Okay. Come on up here and get up there in the front. We're going to surround you guys. Hallelujah. Whew, just felt the presence of God strengthening here. You know, one of the reasons we struggle so much with problems is because we haven't You know, if we can't give our tongue to God, how can we give our problems, our addictions, our hang-ups? How can we do that? If we can't can't even release our tongue? Praise God. Where's Where's our singers? Thank you, Father God. Just begin to pray. I want you to put your hands on the person. Just begin to pray in the Spirit. The church begin to pray in the Spirit. Release that language. Thank you, God. Begin to pray in the Spirit. Release that tongue. Just stay there. Just stay there. Where's an usher? Release that tongue in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Out of your belly is going to flow those rivers of living water. Release it. Let go of those self-control. Let go. Nobody's watching you. Let go of it. In Jesus' name, release it. Say to Hila Rabaka, Nora Rabate Kehisi Rabaka, Nora 
Tell you one thing when you're praying in the spirit, devils are going to flee. Chains are going to fall when you're praying in the spirit. Thank you, God. When I don't know how to pray as I ought, I'll say, God, I'm praying for my grandchildren. And I want you to pray through me your perfect will. I don't know how to pray for our nation. I say, God, I want you to pray through me the perfect will. I don't know how to pray for the church. God, pray through me your perfect will. And I begin to pray in the spirit. Fully believing and trusting that God is praying His will for every situation. Let me tell you, I learned a long time ago, I'm not smart enough to know how to figure all this out. But He is. He is. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Thank you, God. Let that spirit roll out of your belly. You're going to be released. You're going to be free. It's amazing what will clear up in your mind. Indecision will clear up. God will set some stuff straight. We're so selfish and so self-centered. That's why he wants the tongue. He wants the tongue. He's got the tongue. He's got you. Be bold. Be strong. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Release it, Caleb. Release it, man. You got it. Release it. Release that language. Let the Holy Spirit work through you. He'll set you free. Caleb, God's got such a call on your life. God's got so many incredible plans for you. Don't let anything limit you or limit that. He wants to move you into a place you've never been before. It will never happen without Holy Spirit infusion. Thank you, God. Caleb, you got to get that tenacity. You got to say, Give me my mountain, God. Give me my mountain. You got to take it. Nothing can stop you. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you, God. Hallelujah. 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 Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. We break the power of the enemy that's interfering in the lives and minds of people. We break the power of the devil off of the minds of people that's trying to get... We break off ungodly teaching from the past. We break off chains of disqualification, of self-disqualification. Lies the enemy has spoken to you. It's a lie of the enemy. God qualifies you. Thank God he doesn't look at our past. He only sees your future. And you need Holy Spirit for your future. If I'd have had him in my past, I wouldn't have had so much mess in my past. Thank God for the future. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm telling you, every decision we make needs to be preceded by a season of praying in the Spirit. If you're getting ready to make a business decision, pray in the Spirit about it. A ministry decision, pray in the Spirit about it. Don't rely on your own understanding. You'll see doors open. Obstacles kicked out of the way. That's what God will do. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. 
Some of you may have had teaching that says, oh, you're not supposed to speak in tongues in public unless there's an interpretation. That's a gift of tongues. That's a different thing. Let's get our theology right. Thank you, God. Speak those divine mysteries to God. See, when I'm praying for my grandchildren, I'm speaking divine mysteries to God, and the devil's sitting there saying, I wish I knew what she was saying. I wish I knew what God was going to do. It's none of your business, devils. That's a, that's a divine missile I'm sending into the principalities and powers surrounding my family. God fruit you. Thank you, God. Bless you, Lord. I'm going to ask every one of you, minimum, if you will, I want you to spend minimum 30 minutes a day praying just for this church. Just for this church. In the spirit. Don't pray in your understanding. I've had people tell me all kind of strange stuff about what God's going to do in the church. and had nothing. That's not true. Don't waste time doing that. Pray in the spirit for the church. 30 minutes a day. How many will do that? How many will do that with me? Then you've got 23 and a half hours that you can pray in the Spirit for our nation, for these children, for abortion. You've got a lot of time left for your children, your home, your family, your business, your ministry. We've got to do it, guys. We've got to do it. Time's running out. Time is running out. Father, we're so thankful for your presence. We're thankful for your spirit. Thank you, Father. God, I pray for everyone watching online, Father. I pray that the spirit and power of God will just uproot into their hearts. And God, just tear out all bad theology and tear out, Lord, the the lies of the enemy. Destroy the powers of the enemy that's trying to convince them that they're just okay the way they are. None of us are okay. God, we want to pursue you with everything that's in us. We want to love you with everything that's in us. God, help us to get out of old, stale, dead Christianity. God, you're alive. You're working. You're powerful. You turn cities upside down, God. That only happens with the power of Holy Spirit. It doesn't happen with religion. God, we got to turn this world upside down, back right for you. God, thank you for giving us the privilege of working with you. Thank you, God. We accept those orders. We accept those orders, Father. We accept our deployment. Thank you, Father. Give everybody a holy hug. Thank you, Father.